Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with Kirk Westwood. He's an upcoming author for a new book that's coming out, but he's an award, award-winning award creative director, content strategist, and a business communications consultant. I met him through LinkedIn, and as we are all so connected in this connected world through social media, LinkedIn is one of the professional places. And when I got to speak with him and got to work with him on some of the uh, some of the projects back in the past, I was like, you know, we have very similar passions, and we we definitely need to bring you on the podcast and learn about your journey. So I am happy to report that Kirk had time, and he's here on the podcast. Thank you so much, Kirk, for coming on to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This is this is great. Awesome, man. You are so used to being a host and you are a daily talk show host on your Twitch channel, which is super amazing. I've always been, you know, uh, what's that word? Blown away. Like, how is somebody able to do this on a daily basis? Like, I can't wrap my head around it, but I kind of do. But then, like, all the pre-production that goes into, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. It's just, just mind blowing. So, well, I, I mean, to, to be absolutely fair, I don't do that alone. So, uh, when we first decided I'm, you know, the show is called Kirk and Corey and it's on mm-hmm. Twitch.tv, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and, and when we first started doing it, there was no pre-production. It literally was my, my, my coworker, Corey and I, we would, we would turn on our iPad, um, mm-hmm. Twitch, we'd turn on the iPad during lunch and it literally just started with us arguing about movies. And it was, there was no pre-planning. It was, we were shooting on an iPad mm-hmm. and it, it was just, we we're both talkative and argumentative people. And we just yeah. would, would sit in and argue. And then <laughs> as, as the viewership became a thing and the, yeah. we, we made affiliate very quickly. And mm-hmm. as, as that became a thing, um, I, you know, I run this company and I, mm-hmm. I have a family and I have things, you know, I, I'm lucky enough that Corey is, uh, Corey's a little younger and, and doesn't quite have a family yet. And, mm-hmm. and she, she was, she was the one who was like, I want to do this more. And I was like, look, I am in, Yeah, I can't do anything more than I'm doing. I can, mm-hmm. I can, she's like, what if I didn't ask you to, but if, if you could commit to me that you from like 1130 to 130, like two hours a day, yeah, could you give me that? I'm like, you know, yes. And so we, we, for we, when we were doing daily, we, we've gone to a weekly stream now for a mm-hmm. couple of reasons that I'll get to, but so every single day at 1130, she'd come in and we, I'd, I'd open my lunch and we'd sit down and she'd walk me through all the things she wanted to talk about. So I kind of wasn't surprised by anything. And we'd, nice. go, we'd go live at noon yeah. and literally the show consisted of, she had prepared in her time and on her, at her desk, the topics and her opinions and then mm-hmm. she just lobbed them at me and I, I need very little prompts to, to being critical and or supportive of things. And yeah. we would talk about video games or comics or whatever she wanted to talk about. The show is mm-hmm. called Nerdy News at Noon and both of us are nerds. And so we, yeah. we would just talk about it. And then around an hour to an hour and 20 minutes later, I would have my next call and mm-hmm. my next appointment and we would, we would wrap it up. Uh, be done. The daily thing, uh, my business at Glass River Media started picking up enough to where daily became not from a product, not from a production or preparation standpoint, but literally not being able to do anything because two hours of the middle of the day was blocked became mm. unattainable. And we found that because such a huge portion of Twitch is um, in the evening viewership and mm. West Coast, us being from noon to one was really setting us our, ourselves up for for failure. So uh, she asked a few weeks ago if we could transition from every day at noon. Instead, could we do from 6 to 10, 6 to 9 p.m. every Monday night and do like a weekly report? Yeah. And 
you know, I talked to my wife about giving one night a week and that way it takes it out of the work day, but it also, it makes us more primed for better viewership. It makes mm. us set up for better time zones because unlike a lot of things, it's not pre-recorded. It's a hundred percent live. Yeah. A lot of it's, uh, audience engagement. So yeah, that, that was probably a longer answer than you were prepared for. No, that was, that was perfect because, you know, as you're telling me these things, I keep thinking about, okay, that's really interesting. And, and, Given Twitch being a, a platform where you're streaming games and streaming other type of content, people are watching it because they're interested, like purely interested in, in that commentary and, and the gaming and how a game is played. Like I've gone on Twitch or I've gone on YouTube and watched gameplays because I couldn't figure out something <laughs> while I'm playing my video game. Like, okay, oh, that's how they did it. Right. And the great thing is like, you know, I can go on, you know, uh, a game review site yeah. and I can read like this report gave it four out of four stars. And this, mm -hmm. person, but, and the thing is that in this day and age, you either know you can't trust it or worse, you don't know if you can trust it. Exactly. What's awesome is you go on Twitch and you type in, you know, Hitman 2 or you type in your favorite game and, and you might have to do it a couple of times because like I said, it's all live, but yeah. You jump into someone's chat and you say, "Hey, I see you're playing Borderlands Three or Far Cry Six, uh, Far Cry mm -hmm. New Dawn, or you throw in whatever the video game is, and yeah. you say, what do you think of it?'" Mm -hmm. That person who's anywhere between sixteen to sixty mm -hmm. is going to give you an unedited, unrehearsed, <laughs> very honest response. Yeah. Where they're like, "Yeah, it's okay, except," or you know, "No, I really love it." Or you know, you'll get a an actual live and then the cool thing is is that it's instantly uh self-reporting because mm -hmm. then the other people in their chat will come and you're like really i, I thought that game sucked or mm -hmm. whatever so yeah it's a yeah. multi-tiered review it's so honest and it's yeah. so groupthink in a very positive usually groupthink is thought of as a negative thing but yeah it's a, it's a very positive groupthink mm -hmm. yeah no that's really that's really really cool because and that's something that and I'm not sure who started the live streaming first. Was it Twitch? Was it, you know, who was it? But then now it's on all these other platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn just jumped in and Instagram, Instagram has had it and YouTube also right. recently. So it's really interesting how it engages with an already established audience, like people that I've known and, um, and I'm, we're kind of going off topic, but people that have known are like, you know, they will just jump on live and there's like four viewers or yeah. five viewers, but then the video is still available for later on. So it's really interesting, like how people are using content to bring people or bring their audience to what they think about. And then there's like all this other social media strategy. So I don't know where you stand, but let's, let's get into that and then we can go sure. back to getting your journey. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and I, I love, uh, it was a, actually a fairly good setup for my journey is that, mm -hmm. that that's the name of the game is that, you know, uh, in the era of above the line media, which is, you know, that's an industry term, but before, oh, yeah. you know, for those who are for uninitiated in the nerddom that is communication above the line media was, you know, back in the nineties and everywhere before it, you had radio, you had television, you had print. And mm. that, that was it. Like that. Yeah. The winner was the one with the, with the most zeros in their paycheck. If you mm. bought, if you bought more, uh, if you bought more ad time, you made more sales because more people knew about you. If you bought more, uh, you bought more column inches, more ad space, you know, earned media was easier because getting in front, of, uh, in front of people's faces was easier. All of the forms of media, paid, shared, earned, owned, all media was, was just, I'm not saying easy, but less complex. It was, there was more or less four channels. I mean, outside of bake sales, yeah. you, could, you could buy an ad in a newspaper, you could buy an ad in a mag. So all there was was kind of guessing, if you will, where does your audience watch or, or consume media? So when you'd watch Fox News, you'd watch one, get one kind of commercial. If you'd watch CNN, you'd watch one commercial. If you read the Wall Street Journal, you got one type of ad. And if you read Rolling Stone, you got a different type of ad. It, was, it wasn't complex. It was fairly, fairly standard and easy. Yeah. And then 
then the variability became in, well, what was the ad and what was the ad? But the channel approach, channel approach was super solid, super simple. Yeah. Then, and all of, the, all of the variability came into content approach. However, now, as you just said, if I want to do gaming, if I want to do, if I'm in gaming, if I'm EA or if I'm Bethesda, or if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm one of these game producers, I now have to say, am I going to buy ads on Twitch? Am I going to pay a streamer on Twitch to play my game? Am I going to use YouTube or am I going to go to uh, Mixer, which is Microsoft's new entrance into the game? Yeah. Mixer, for example, uh, just recently, uh, you know, until very recently, Ninja, I forgot his real name or I would say it here, but uh, mm-hmm. Ninja was the number one streamer on, on, uh, on Twitch playing their number one game, which was Fortnite. And he was making an estimated $4 million a, wait for it, month. $4 wow. million a month. Now, that is a, an internet number that is not, I don't have his bank statements and some sure. guys would like, uh, Kirkson saying it was way less or way more. I don't know, yeah. but that's the number that that I saw floating $4 million a month. And that's between subscriptions and endorsements and everything. Then through some controversies that I'll skip because they're not the point and some other things, his yeah. viewership went down a little bit, not tons. I will. And Mixer entered the picture and said, and they paid him to leave Twitch where he was like the captain of the football team yeah, and come and, and stream um, exclusively on Mixer. And so that was Microsoft, you know, you know, yeah. Bill, not personally, but Microsoft, they needed to launch Mixer. I'm sure they had a room of, of marketing and, and advertising people. And that was their channel path. We are going to pull the number one guy from Twitch. We're going to offer him this money and controversies aside. If we put him here, he will bring his audience mm. for the record. From what I understand at yeah. current, yeah. not working. At current, I don't know, you know, like, but, but it, did that like, work? <clears throat> but to my knowledge, and again, I don't know what their KPIs were. I don't yeah. know what, I don't know what success was, was, mm-hmm. was based on, but from my understanding, not particularly the best of moves, but not no. um, if that, but that's, if you're a gaming or a streaming company, if yeah. you are, if you're pawns face wash, like I, I'm trying to be as middle market as possible. If you're American, mm-hmm. If you're American Eagle or, or Pond Space Wash, you're in, you're in the, that, that kind of general space. Okay. Yeah. Do you go to Facebook? Do you go to Twitter? Do you go to mm. Twitch? Do you go to, do you go to YouTube? Do you go to Instagram? Mm. Do you pay for ads or do you pay for an influencer? Do you do a micro influencer or a major influencer? What's yeah. the difference between hiring Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian? Mm-hmm. I mean, are they the same thing or aren't they? They're not, by the way. I mean, so all of a sudden, what used to 15 years ago, what 15 years ago was as simple as, as, Hey, do I buy wall street journal, uh, you know, good housekeeping Cosmo or, or Rolling Stone now is near infinitum. And now it, it has never been more important to do channel alignment, content alignment, uh, brand alignment. I mean, what used to be relatively straightforward and mm. albeit complex is the complexities are the same, but now the channel approach is, is uh, infinitely more complex. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you, you, you're on the dot on that one because there are just like, I don't even know how to start. Just like there was hundreds and thousands of channels that you would get on cable television. Yeah. And you're like, oh, uh, I am selling to blah, blah, blah audience. And this blah, blah, blah audience is going to be watching ESPN or they're going to be watching Fox News. So I'm going to put my ad over here. So you kind of have an understanding, okay, where's my peeps going to be at? Right. And um, one of the things that these different channels offer is that, okay, each channel or each platform becomes a search engine for you. Google is no longer the only search engine, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can then, you can then design your ad, design your, and figure out, okay, this is the people who want my ad to be shown because they are going to be, and then there's several other tactics or not tactics, but things marketers doing, they're putting, you know, 
cookies and, and whatnot tracking. Okay. Where are you going? Like you, you're going out there and searching for a mountain bike. And now all of a sudden you're seeing mountain bikes everywhere. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. And now, you know, now they've, they've more or less proven this. It's no longer the tinfoil hat conspiracy, no. but now your phone and Alexa's listening to you. So yes, you and I, you know, you and I sitting on my couch have a, you know, I don't own a cat. You don't own a cat. And we, we sit and we mention cats a couple times or something. Yeah. And now I log on and, and my Facebook is selling me kitty litter. And yes. I'm like, Oh, come on guys. I don't even own a cat. <laughs> like, so one, one, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, not at all. Go ahead. So one thing that, uh, I just watched his Gary Vaynerchuk's video and he yeah. was, he was like, all right, people talk about privacy and we we're, we we're, you know, talking about how privacy is bad and blah, blah, blah or good, or we have a lack of privacy because everybody's tracking what we're doing. Right. It's kind of a great thing for yeah. a, a product company, or let's say you purchased, you know, you purchased some kind of gift or you purchased some kind of product. And then what you're able to do, because people are giving away your, what they like freely. Right. right? I like Pepsi. I like blah, blah, blah. So this, and so the example he gave me, like, you know, he's like, okay, there's this, this one guy, he is, he buys a 10 crate of wine from, from, from their wine store. They paid like $117 for like 10, whatever. Right. But so then they went and checked his Twitter. Okay. What is he tweeting about? And he's like, I love you, Jack Dorsey or, or, or some uh, quarterback from Chicago bears. So what he did, he's like, all right, he called his point person. He's like, all right, find a Jack. Um, I don't even remember his name, but find a signed jersey by this quarterback and send it as a gift right, to this person who just bought our wine. Right. Three weeks later, nothing happens, right? And then all of a sudden, this other, football, this other person comes in and orders like $4,800 worth of wine and is saying, and there's a note in there and it says, I got this, I got, and I heard about you, you from this guy who got the Chicago Bears jersey and you guys got primo content, really good pricing and PSPS, I'm a huge fan of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. So, it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. It's creepy if you want to make it creepy. Yeah, but yeah exactly. I can't remember the company and I, I, I feel bad to plug something that was so amazing. And it actually, mm -hmm. almost, it almost proves that it didn't work as well as they'd like, but they yeah. were, there was a thing of, it was Johnson and Johnson or it was, mm -hmm. it was one of these things that they went online to Twitter and Facebook and, and they searched, um, they searched people online that were talking online about feeling sick and sent them like goodwill, like uh, get well soon packages like based on <laughs> publicly says like if you went online and said oh my gosh i'm had to stay home from work i feel so sick yeah suddenly the next day you know I, and like i said i feel terrible because the company did all this so that they'd have name recognition and mm -hmm. i don't name but and all of a sudden the next day campbell's soup and again now campbell's is getting free ads um all of a sudden you get this good well soon package and i was like you know that is both creepy yeah awesome. Like, <laughs> yes, like, exactly. I mean, they're proactively reaching out yeah, and not being reactive, but then what, what Gary did or is like, you know, we know what you like and based on what you like, we're going to send you something like that. And, and the example that he, he was giving is like, you know, it's really cool when you go to these conferences as a speaker, you get, you know, these wine baskets or fruit baskets or whatever in your hotel room. So it's great. It's, it's it's normal thing. But if you got if you got me a Jets hat, right, a New York Jets hat, that would be more valuable because you know who I am. You know who, what I like. You've heard the name Gary Vaynerchuk more than twice. You know that I know Jets like exactly. That, exactly. Cool. Well, this brings us down to, you know, how did you get started in this? in this area of expertise or in this area of what you're doing as a content marketer, as a, as a um, business owner and bringing media with Glass River Media and, and what, what brought you to this point? What's your that, little journey? 
that really depends on how far back you want to go <laughs> and, and, and what you consider to be that starting moment. Um, well, well, so, so I like to focus on, you know, what was your hobby and how did you make that hobby into a full-time gig or, you know, how did you find success? I was 12 years old okay. uh, when I went to my mom and said, I want a camera. And she said, mm-hmm. for, for what? And I was like, well, I want to take pictures. And she mm-hmm. said, cool, for what? And I was like, for pictures. I don't understand the question. Um, like, I, I wanted to, and, and well, she's like, you know, we weren't a particularly well-off family. We were by no means poor. I mean, just by no means, but we were very mm-hmm. poor and middle class. And yeah. like, well, we don't have $30 for a camera. And even if we did, a roll of film is $5. And mm-hmm. where are you going to get? five dollars and and then to process the film at seven dollars and where are you no you can't you know digital photography didn't exist yeah. no no camera for you and I I was bummed you know I was 12 and but just through the process of being a little kid that wanted to make movies mm. uh I just I that loved watching movies I decided that that telling stories and making movies was was what I was going to do and at 12 years old, I wrote my first book. It was awful. I do not have a copy of it anymore. It's <laughs> truly terrible. It was called The Key, and it was a novella about a boy that fell through space and time. It was very uh, John Carter of Mars. It was this kid woke up on this planet and had to solve a riddle. Anyway, yeah. um, and I was, but I wanted, to, I wanted to tell stories. And that, at 12 years old, that wanting to tell stories never went away. It, it just didn't. I, I got into high school and I told my dad that I wanted to go to film school. And as a military mm. colonel, he was just thrilled with that. Please no mm. sarcasm. <laughs> um, uh, just thrilled that his son was going to go to film school Yeah, and, and spent many years trying to talk me out of it and failed. I did in fact go to film school mm-hmm. uh, at a school in Florida called Full Sail, uh, Full Sail University. It's kind of an accelerated vocational school that focuses on entertainment. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, to skip large, huge chunks of this, yeah. that, that wanting to tell a story never went away. And I went to LA and I, I was really very successful, very fast. I was, I was working with some of the top names. Uh, there's this, this story that I, I tell that there was one evening that I was looking around the table and I realized that with, other than myself, where, who was a guest, I realized that there was no one at the table that wasn't a Golden Globe or Academy Award winner. And I'm like, that's humbling. That's I'm, I'm in, I'm in this, this circle of people. And then the writer strike of 2007 happened and me, like the rest of the community, I had children by this point and I was a Mm -hmm. single, I was a single earner. I, my wife is a stay at home mom and she's amazing. And, and so, so in the course of about a year of, of not making any money with the rest of the industry, I found myself like so many others having to leave just because LA is not the place to live if you don't have a job. Yeah. No way. <laughs> um, so I, I moved back to the East Coast where I'm from, to the, the, the cutthroat, never say die world of government contracting. Mm. And, and, and that is where I learned that government contracting in D.C. is where creativity goes to die. Um, <laughs> I, I spent three years on a government contract, not just wanting to pull my hair out, but literally the hair of every human being I spoke to yeah. about their approach to things. And it was just frustrating so when the at the end of that contract um i i stepped out and i started freelancing and started doing kind of my own thing mm-hmm. um in 2015 i incorporated glass river media as a you know i did i i did not call us a marketing agency i just called us a a concierge video production agency mm-hmm. if you need it we'll make it and and, and people would sh- in the very early days uh, me and my business partner, who I've known since high school, actually, uh, we start. We people would show up and say, "Cool, come to this event and make a thing." And we'd go and we'd do. And cool, come make a music video for me. I'm trying to make it big, and we'd go and we would do. And mm-hmm. we would just, we were just, we were just hired guns. And yeah. all of a sudden, again, this is 2015, and I started noticing this trend where. I would follow up with people because I'm naturally inquisitive and I would follow up and I'd say, Hey, that video, like how'd it do? Or that, that video, that, uh, that commercial we made, how'd it do? And, and they'd be like, yeah, it didn't work. And I, 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 I found that statement to be a little weird. I was like, well, what do you mean it didn't work? I thought you really liked it. And they're like, well, we loved it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. We're not unhappy at all. It just, it just didn't work. And I'm like, I, I need you to be more clear here. What do you mm-hmm. mean it 
didn't work. And they're like, well, I mean, I wanted to put that video online and I was going to post it on my Facebook and I was going to go crazy viral and I was going to be the next Justin Bieber. I mean, Justin Bieber made it on YouTube. Why did my music video not become huge? And, yeah. and I'm like, well, okay, well, what else did you do? Like what else? And I wasn't trying to be snarky. I was really, yeah, you just wanted to know. I was like, what else did you do? I was like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I made the video for you. What else, what else did you, what else did you do? And they're like, I, I put the video online and I waited to get famous. <laughs> and I'm somewhat being funny, but that mm-hmm. was more or less their response. I mean, they yeah. use less ridiculous words, but that was the answer. Yeah. And so I realized, so I changed my first question. Um, I stopped asking, what do you want us to make? Mm. And I said, I, I like, Hey, cool. So what are we making? Like people would hire us. I was like, cool. What are we making? And we'd get excited and we'd get, we'd throw ourselves in the project. And I changed, yeah. all I did was change the first question. They'd call me up. They're like, cool. So I want to make this video. And I'd go, great. So what are we trying to do? Mm. And they're like, and all of a sudden, instead of them jumping into this, well, it's going to be this music video and there's going to be these girls or there's going to be this cat or there's going to be lightsabers. They'd be like, cool. I want it just by changing the question. They would launch into this. Well, I want to be a rock star and I want to. So now instead of my second question being great, you know, how many people should we hire? Now my second question is, well, great. What's your release strategy? And then they'd say, well, I was going to put it on Facebook or I was going to put it on YouTube or I have my own website or I have an Instagram or, and now by asking a few different questions at the beginning, yeah, I was able to completely reframe things and that led to some very, very quick and very early success. So my business partner and I put our heads together and very quickly, this is in the first year of our company, we kind of flipped things around where we were no longer a video production company. We were a content strategy and production company. Mm. But content strategy came first because yeah. then all, all of a sudden what we found is we started having kids with their own cameras reaching out to us and saying, hey, look, I'm going to do my own thing and I want to do my own thing. But like when I'm done, what should I do? Yeah. And we started, instead of focusing on content production, which is still what we love and is telling stories again, since I was 12 years old has been my love and joy. Yeah. But I started realizing that where you tell the story is part of the story. And, exactly. and people's people are very, very incorrectly using their social media platform like a megaphone and sometimes there are people where they're like i have a loudspeaker and i will blast the world i have the ability to to blast the world with social media and that's true you do every human being has a loudspeaker at their fingertips and here's the problem every human being has a loudspeaker at their fingertips and that creates a lot of noise yes but the cool thing is is that if you know what you're doing and you know who you're talking to you shouldn't be using your your social media like a loudspeaker. No. You using your like like headphones. You shouldn't scream at your user. You should walk up and whisper to them. Because if you are in a crowd, if you're downtown DC where you know where we live on inauguration day or or on a big on 4th of July and everyone is screaming, you don't scream louder. You put your head closer to theirs. Yeah. The way you let your kid hear you, your wife hear you, your friend hear you, yes, you might speak up a little, but you put your face next to theirs and go, hey, I'm going to go grab a drink or a churro. Do you want one? You don't just scream. Yeah. When you want a connection, when you want a response, you get closer. And so um, today, instead of, well, I put it on Facebook and I, so the number, like the number of clients I have that by the time they find me, I go, cool, what has been your release strategy? They go, yeah. I use Facebook and I spend ads promoting it. And this one client of mine whom I adore and is a genius and I love him. So anything that sounds like or insults is just not meant to be one. Mm-hmm. He, I, I jumped into his analytics and his content and he was spent in, in the course of four years of his company, he had spent over $48,000 in online marketing. Wow. And his average cost per conversion was $36 and his average, uh, his average purchase price was 28. So he, so to to break those down for people who are less, you know, 
quite initiated, he was spending 36 bucks to make 28 bucks. Mm-hmm. And doing that, he'd spent $48,000 over four years. So $12,000 a year, $1,000 a month to make less than that. But the thing is that di- drive, d- digging into his numbers, it was actually, it was, it was hard to, it wasn't as clear cut to yeah. him as when I showed him those metrics. And so he was literally losing money. Yeah. And, and his purchases that were not from his marketing were actually being subsidized by his marketing because his whole strategy was to get louder. Hmm. And so what Doesn't we do, work. we help you find your strategy. And for him specifically, he was pouring money into the pockets of, of you know, of Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And, and when I do, drove in and did some analytics, it turned out that a massive amount of his traffic that he wasn't getting credit for or advertising was actually coming from Pinterest. Interesting. He didn't know that. He was like, what? My, my market isn't women, it's men. And my market isn't that age group. Like I, I market to 18 to 30 year old men yeah. and 90% of his referral traffic was Pinterest, not Facebook. Not Facebook. And, and he didn't know that. He was, he, was, he was screaming on one channel when all we did was pivot to very casual posting on Pinterest yeah. and exponential growth. And wow. it's because don't scream, man. Find yeah. your guy and put your face close to his. Yeah. And, and that, just as much as what you're saying, that's storytelling. And, and that is how I turned a, a 12-year-old's desire for a camera and an 18-year-old's desire to go to film school into a, a near 40-year-old's love of telling stories by finding your audience and just whispering it to them. That's beautiful. I love it. See, that's, that's the story. That's the journey. That's the journey. That I like to hear, man. That, that's, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's really powerful because you, you summed it up in a very, very tight package that if you want to attract somebody, number one, you got to know what you're selling. And you got to know what they want. You know what they want, yeah. And then tell them, hey, check this out. Right. And there's, Don't I mean, you, obviously. Yeah. There's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's. There's a thousand tricks inside yeah, of that. Exactly. I mean, but, and I mean, and I, I, I like, call me. I'm, I'm not even like a, you got to pay me. I'm happy to, I am the worst capitalist on the planet because all yeah. you have to do for, to find out my secrets is ask me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not difficult to do. And all of this information is so available. Yeah. If you ask your website or ask Facebook the right question, it'll tell you. It'll hey, tell you exactly. What, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's super easy. You know, um, I was, I just had the opportunity to, so Seth Godin, right? Yeah. He is like, he's been, he, he, he says that he was born on the right day at the right time. Right to be able to be that inventor behind the internet marketing and marketing in itself. Uh, his recent interview with um, Jonathan Stark and Rochelle Moulton's uh, The Business of Authority. And he talks about how being generous is the one way you can get people to know about who you are and what you can offer. Right. And, right. and what we're doing with a podcast, what we do with blogs, what we do with creating videos, sharing our insights and secrets, because there's, there's no secret. Everything that's need to be done, it's already been done. Right. It's all about application and execution. And people, once, once they know who you are and, and what you're about and, and how authentic and information that you're sharing that will get come to you and um, ask you the questions that they have in their minds. And, and that's, that's how we have sites like Quora and, and other sites where people are just asking questions and other people are answering these questions because we have this innate nature of storytelling and helping each other. Absolutely. No, I mean, we are at our, core i mean depending on where you are from a from a science versus religion standpoint mm-hmm. we are at our core evolutionarily or otherwise a social being yeah. and, and and reaching up like if you think about it humans are like not the fastest 
nor the smartest, nor the, I mean, smartest, I guess is debatable. We are not the fastest, nor the fiercest, nor the, uh, the, the strongest. We like, we actually excel in remarkably few metrics in the wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The only, the only reason we were able to, uh, end up uh, on the top of the food chain as we so clearly are in certain contexts is, um, is because we are so social and 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 we are ingenious and innovative. Not innovative. Uh, in ah, there's a word I'm looking for. Uh, ingenuity. We have ingenuity. Mm -hmm. We we create and we build. We learned to build walls. We learned to build societies. We learned to build weapons. We learned to build. And and because of our ability to build and work together, that yeah. is why we are. And then we get. It's funny. We get there and then we're like, no, I did this by myself. It's like you really didn't. Mm -hmm. Nothing evolutionarily personally i mean your mother held you as you got nowhere on your own and the exactly. people who think they did are 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 crazy they're crazy exactly we are on shoulders of giants 100% of the time 100% right and because all the luxuries that we have somebody else did yeah. phone we were using somebody else created chairs that were sitting right it's because of that I mean, you, you did not grow up on an island by yourself. No. No you way. Didn't. I mean, like, you, you didn't build your first house. You, didn't, you have not paid every bill that has, has benefited you. The, mm -hmm. the people that say, like, you know, I did this on my own. I built it from nothing. Is, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to overly, you know, criticize those who really did start something and they really, you know. But there, sure. is, there is no one, no one is an island and, and no. nothing. Someone helped you. I don't re I genuinely, well, I grew up in the foster system and I did it by this and I've had no one, I've had no support. That doesn't, it, it's a monumental achievement. Mm -hmm. It still wasn't alone. It yeah. still wasn't without the, 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 the trail being blazed by those that came before you. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. So on a daily basis, what are some of your motivation, what motivations to Keep going. Of course, you've got a company running. You've got people coming in. You've got projects coming in. How do you do a? What's a day in a life? Um, well, right now, like like we talked about at, at the mm -hmm. kind of very the very start of it is, I have a book coming out in April, and nice. so uh, right now uh, we're doing back and forth with drafts and publishers and 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 covers and and synopses and marketing, and so my day at the moment and for the last few weeks. Has, uh, slash months has been has been finishing writing polishing and researching uh you know i, I will make an assertion and realize mm -hmm. i can't back it up and so um i will i will i will set to the internet to find an expert of the thing and i will yeah. track on the expert and i will get an interview and i will beg for a few minutes of their time and i will mm -hmm. i will tell them my assertion and then i will i get a master's class in either what i'm missing or how i was actually correct and didn't know it or mm -hmm. my favorite are when I find out that I'm absolutely wrong and there's this huge thing that I'm missing because mm -hmm. it forces me to go back and restructure my argument or change my argument. And, and it, uh, it, so for the last probably six months, my, the day in the life has been wake up, write, read, write, read, write, call someone, listen, mm -hmm. write, read, write, interview, write. Uh, but generally speaking, and this plays into that, like I said, I love stories and I love storytelling. So I wake up with whatever story I have to tell that day. And mm -hmm. if, I, if I don't have something on my desk, I turn in, uh, you know, I guess a cynical person would call it sales. Mm -hmm. I, I, I revert and start looking out to what story can I tell and whose mm -hmm. story can I tell and, and what I, I just, I love the storytelling process and whether it applies to marketing or PR or entertainment, it's all stories. Nice. That's awesome. And that's something that I'm struggling with is reaching out and, well, I do reach out with, with my, a close few people. I'm like, Hey, what, what you up to today? What's going on? What are we going to do? But then reaching out to people that I've known for a while and like, Hey, this is what I'm working on. How can I help you? I haven't done that yet. Right. And it's like, okay, how do I get started? And, and I keep looking at my list my email list and I keep looking at, okay, looking at Facebook, looking at LinkedIn. Okay. What's the strategy? And like you said, you know, you, you made a really good point. What am I trying to achieve? And that's what I, I keep stumbling on my own 
I guess on my own um, thoughts and be like, okay, what am I trying to achieve with the podcast? What am I trying to achieve with my business? What am I trying to achieve? And, and I keep coming blank. I'm like, why am I keep coming blank? I, I know there is something there that I'm, that I'm wanting to do and, and get out of it. So um, how, do you, how do you get out of that? Um, or how would so, I get out of that? <laughs> uh, so I, I invented an acronym because I just, I'm, I'm that guy apparently. Mm-hmm. There, there's this word, uh, there's this word that people use and they use it every day. You used it a thousand times yesterday and, and a thousand times before. And the word is do. D-O, you know, what are you doing? Like, so what do, what do I need to do today? And, and, you know, you look at your schedule and you're like, what do I need to do today? And mm-hmm. stop. And if you ask someone, hey, if you were to walk down the street and say, hey, uh, could you please define the word do? Everyone would go, oh, it means, and then their eyes go wide and they, get, they, they have a look of terror because yeah. everyone knows what do means, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Define it. And you're like, um, it's the thing you're doing. No, no, no. You, you can't use the word to define it. Mm-hmm. What does do, what does the verb to do or to be mean? And so, and, and, and so I came up with an acronym to answer the question. Yeah. And I mean, I, this is so narcissistic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so do is an acronym. It's D O it's developmental outcome. Mm. What, what do I want? the developmental outcome to be like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm eating D O developmental outcome. I'm not going to die today. Mm-hmm. Um, like D O like, cool. So what do I have to do today? Well, I need to work on my email list. Great. What is the developmental outcome of that task? Well, the developmental outcome isn't to, wouldn't it be great if they were in these great categories and things and they were had red tabs and I'm not mocking organizational mm-hmm. structures, but cool. yeah. I'm going to spend the day organizing my, my contacts. Great. That's amazing. What is the developmental outcome? What are you doing um, with that task? Well, the developmental outcome is I want to be able to more quickly X or Y. Well, now, now instead of, Hey, you know, what did you do yesterday? Hey, you know, I spent the day answering emails. Great. Why? Oh, because my email, uh, email box said that there was a thousand emails and mm-hmm. that was just really bothering me and I needed to get that off my plate. Okay, that was a super valid answer. Like, yeah. I, super valid. But what was the developmental outcome? Okay, well, the developmental outcome was, it, by, by now, maybe the action was the exact same, but the developmental outcome, if you changed it to, I was going through my emails to make sure that there was no business that I'd been missing or no out. Like I went through my outstanding emails so that I could better know what, uh, what was on my plate. Because frankly, um, frankly, the answer of, I just really need to get that, 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 uh, that marker saying that I had a thousand emails Mm -hmm. uh, that could have been accomplished by turning your notifications off. Yeah. That could have been accomplished by deleting all of your emails. The developmental yeah. outcome wasn't I needed to get rid of the banner. Maybe that was the trigger. Yeah. The developmental outcome was I needed to know if there was anything important in there. And, yeah. Um, Somebody wants your attention. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I apologize. No um, uh, so the developmental outcome by restructuring, what are you doing? Okay, so what are you going to do today? I came on this podcast. What's the development outcome? Well, first off, I like you. You've asked a couple of times. It's, it's podcasts are fun and I enjoy these. It's a good break from writing. But developmentally, obviously, I'm, I, I want someone else to have heard about this. And when they need help telling their story, they'll call. Like that's mm-hmm. my developmental outcome. Yeah. Um, and if you restructure your ideas with, you look at your schedule. What is the development? And, and instead of just saying, okay, what did I do yesterday? What am I doing today? What do I'm going to do tomorrow? Instead of thinking that by the action, I'm going to answer emails, actually answer it with what is this going to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And literally this is actually what the book, my book is about. It's called nice. the, my, my very best bad idea. Um, or the very best bad idea. Um, it's literally about, by changing the way you look at something, by changing the way you structure something, just like instead of using the word to do to be a, a, a description of your actions, 
use it as a description of your desired outcome, then now everything you do has purpose. If you, yeah. if you retrain your brain to think of do not about your actions, but about your intents, then, then all of a sudden everything you do has purpose. And so now, hey, you know what? I haven't talked to my mom in a while. Cool. I'm not saying that everything has to have a business application. I'm going to yeah. call mom. Great. What am I going to do? I'm going to call my mom because she needs to hear from me. I've been a bad son, whatever. Like yeah. it's, if all of a sudden you restructure that. So the very best bad idea is about solving your problems, not by, you know, if I built this thing off, if I bought this thing off Amazon, it would solve my problem. Or yeah. as, as seen on TV, I need that organizer. It will do my things. No, no, no. What you need to do is restructure the way you think about things. Yeah. Um, and, and by doing very little other than just restructuring the way you look at the problem, you can actually have drastically different outcomes. Because even though to someone else that walks in the room, they see the same things, they experience the same, uh, they experience the same feedback from you, your, your intent, your outcomes, the way that you are structuring the information is different. And therefore everything mm. downstream of it is different as well. Very nicely put. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be noodling on this and thinking on this for a while, I've written it down. Hey, what is my back. development I mean, outcome? Yeah, I mean, or, or desired outcome. If desired outcome, is, don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I say developmental because I like big words, but like, <laughs> when what's I, my when desired I, outcome? Yeah, yeah. When I taught my daughters this same concept, who the oldest is twelve, the youngest is five, mm -hmm. and then I have a son who's five as well. When I when I taught them this, I, I said, you know, what is, what's your desired outcome? Like, hey, we're playing a game. Cool. What do you want? Why? I yeah. want to have fun. Done. Like, yeah if you base everything by what you're trying to accomplish as opposed mm. to what the action looks like, these little semantical changes, people go, ah, semantics, you know, semantics, <laughs> semantics matter. They yes. matter so much more than people think. Oh yeah. Your brain is a runner of programs. And if you change the script and the program, the program runs differently. Yes. So true. Awesome, man. This was, this was really great. I've got a few questions for you. Please. And we can wrap it up. Cool. Now, you, you mentioned that you love creating, telling stories through photos, through videos. So in this beautiful life of yours, what is the one hobby that you wish you got into? You just never got the chance. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, well, so if I were to keep it, keep it within my core competency. Mm -hmm. What's really, really funny is that I never got that camera and I had already gotten through film school and had bought a video camera. And I was, I was in my late, late, late twenties before mm -hmm. I finally bought a camera. And yeah. so now, I mean, I have certainly taken some pictures and people would certainly call me a photographer, but I, I, when I get into the technical side, I still feel like very much a novice when it gets to the the real photographic, you know, the depth of fields and the irises and the f-stops and the, when it gets into the real minutia of photography, mm -hmm. I, I, to this day, kind of regret that I didn't, not with my mom when I was 12, but, you know, on my own when I was 22, like, that I never, um, that I never really actually sufficiently got into photography because I think there's just so the way, just like I love words and how our bodies and our minds respond to wording, we really do respond to imaging as well. And yeah. I, I wish that from a younger age, I had spent more time and paid more attention in the, the art history, the, the, the technical of photography, the, the actual association with, with how we respond to the image itself. Mm -hmm. Um, that is, if I'm being like, if I'm keeping things, you know, uh, super duper in, in line with things. But um, out of that, everything I've ever created in my life has been remarkably intangible. I mean, yeah, you can create a picture and hang it on the wall, but yeah. that's still, it's two-dimensional. You hung it on, a, it, it's, in my older life, I have, I have played around with really, really top level and very somewhat unsuccessfully I've played with uh, 
crafting and creating and cosplaying and blacksmithing. And, and I'm, I'm dead serious. I have a little forge. I have a little, nice. I wish that I wish that I had had, you know, or that from a younger age, I am the least mechanical or, or craftsmanly inclined person like on, on the planet. Mm-hmm. I wish that from a younger age or even, even at a middle age, I had learned more about creating in the physical realm, like whether that was woodworking. And like, so I go to people's houses and like, yeah, I built this table. And I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's a table. I can put my drink on it. You made a thing that's <laughs> useful. And yeah. when my kids are like, what does your dad do? Uh, he makes people laugh. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love it. And there's value, but there's so, mm-hmm. I love, you know, I've gone to someone's house and he handed me a glass that he blew himself. Like mm-hmm. blew his, you know, glass blowing and woodworking and carpentry. And I go to someone, he's like, yeah, I refinished my, uh, I refinished my basement by myself in my spare time. And I'm like, I would burn the house down. Yeah. I don't even know. Get that. I don't even know how I would approach that problem. Yeah. And because none of my skills nor time has ever been spent doing anything in the real world. Mm. And, and eh, I regret that a little bit. Well, we can, we can fix that for sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry. No problem. Yeah. I just got a few more questions. We'll do quick Wait. chat. We'll, no, no, no. All right. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Oh man. Asking a storyteller that question. <laughs> that I guess we should have started. I mean, it should like, be the two hour show. <laughs> for the record, had you asked me that, like at the first, we'd still be talking about it. I know, right? <laughs> um, so first off, my actual answer is there's no answer to that question. All right. Uh, my favorite, my favorite, what kind? My favorite comedy, my favorite horror, my favorite TV show, my mm-hmm. favorite... But when, when really, really pressed, um, my non, you know, oh, I really love the classics. My actual answer mm-hmm. is um, there is a show that was the, the runaway classic of the 2007 Sundance Film Festival that won the jury, the, uh, the audience award. It is still somewhat lesser known. It's an independent film uh, called Brick. It, okay. star- it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, who is uh, somewhat of a star in his own right. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's certainly not a known, uh, he's certainly not an unknown. And then the director who was an unknown at the time, his name was Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now that's still not a household name, but he went on to do a few other things. He was a, a reoccurring director on Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. He, he's done a few more movies that were equally kind of, uh, uh not low, low head, uh, under the radar, you know, Looper and Brothers Bloom and such, but everyone more or less knows and hates him because he is the director of the most recent star Wars film, uh, the force awakens. Ah, okay, um, okay. I love Ryan Johnson. I think that everything he's done is, is, uh, is inspired and incredible. And I am willing to forgive and overlook, uh, overlook the, uh, the, the clear, clear objective mistakes made nice. in the force awakens. Got it. Well, you're going to love this next question. Sure. What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Oh, jeez. <laughs> right? So now, is, so we is need this, like a separate podcast for just movies. <laughs> like, jeez, this is awful. If you've ever seen the movie Mall Rats, uh, for those of you that are as big a nerd as I am, in the movie Mall Rats, at the, era, at the end, they're doing a remake of the dating show, and the character Bodie, played by Jason Lee, is uh, is on the on the main character, and, and they're the the woman that on the blind other side of the blind screen kind of figures out who it is and he's a comic nerd and to trap him says uh says you know it's supposed to be like what's your favorite date and what's your this which it's it's the dating game but she asked him if you could be a superhero what would it be and he like (laughs) goes off (laughs) and like i feel like this is the end of mall rats the kevin smith Smith classic of the 90s anyway um, so you're asking to better understand the question. Yeah. A film made in the past, if I could be in that movie as one of the characters or if yeah. I could make a movie in the future. It's, it's like in the past, just like the movie, just like in the book, um, game, uh, Ready Player One, he had to, to pass the, the test, he had to play in war games and he had to know every single line to get to the next level, to get find that key. So in the movie, they did it a little differently. They they put everybody in The Shining. Right. So something like that. 
Interesting, interesting, interesting. So I'm going through my favorite characters in fiction real quick. And what's fun is that I hate most of them. And then you're like, <laughs> uh, I'll be like, I'd be like, one of my favorite pieces of fiction of all times is, is Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. Mm-hmm. And I, I despise Peter Pan. And I think that, I think, not the book, I, I love the book and I love the, but I think that, that Peter Pan is actually one of the most underrated villains of all time. And, mm-hmm. and, and people are like, no, he's the hero. And I'm like, I guess if that's the way you want to read that book. Um, I, so I mean, no, I wouldn't want to play Peter Pan per se. Yeah. And, I, and I love Brendan and Brick because I just said that now I'm thinking about it. But um, I love, I love the tragically flawed. Yeah. I, lo- I love the tra- I, I, I despise the Superman characters because Superman is too perfect yeah. and his flaws are too, too dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I mean, come on. Oh no, she recognized me. Um, like, <laughs> just his, what is she going to do? Step on my toe? I, just, his flaws are so moronic. Um, yeah. but I love, I love the complex and I love the, the, so my answer is going to, I, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. Sure, that's fine. <laughs> and, and here it is. Um, because all of the people that I love in past films and TV, I love too much and they are so a complete package played by that person mm-hmm. that for me to say they, that's who I want to play. I'd feel like I'm saying oh, I could do it better. And I just don't feel that way. No. So what I'd say is, I wish that I was a character of myself in the unis- in the universes of either mm-hmm. House by David Shore mm-hmm. or uh, or USA's Suits. I nice. love those two shows, House and Suits. I think they're comedies, uh, despite the fact that everyone else on the planet would call them dramas. Yeah. Um, I think the characters are universally so flawed in, in, in ways that makes me love them. Like Mm -hmm. they're they're so approachably and correctly flawed, but like I would love to see my flaws as, as reflected in suits. And I'd love to see my flaws as reflected in house. Like Mm -hmm. would house beat the crap out of me Would he and I get along because we're both, you know, you know, just uh, misanthropes. Yeah. Would, yeah. would, uh, Would I, would I fit in with Mike Ross? and uh, Harvey Specter, or would I be the guy that they just beat the crap out of? Like, I would love to interact in those universes. I can't say that I would want to be Mike Ross or Harvey Specter because both of those actors just crush that yeah. so perfectly. And, and Hugh Laurie, man, I couldn't be house. No one is that. No one is. Nobody is that. Yeah. No one could do that. But I wish that I could be in those universes as they just, they, in my opinion, are the perfect microscope at the human condition. Nice. Well, we are running out of time. I've got something else, someone else lined up um, in two minutes. Sure. We had two more questions, and, and I, I want to get... I'll answer them quickly. It's very quickly. Okay. Um, who's your favorite superhero? I hate you so much right now. I know, right? Okay, oh, we'll skip God. that. Batman. 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 All right, yes. Yeah. Batman. Um, if you were a board game, what would it be? Huh. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't know the answer to that question. That's I, all right. I just, I, I'm going to say Monopoly. Okay. Because I tend to bring the worst out of people. Yeah. As a joke, <laughs> That's... And, and, and because, uh, and because I'm, I'm hell bent on, on world domination. There you, know, you go. What can I say? Um, <laughs> We'll have, to, we'll have to do a part two of this, man. I, I'm in, dude. This was amazingly fun, and I, I had a great time. I, I'd love to help you tell some stories in the future. So let's uh, absolutely. Let's... Um, where can my audience find you? So my website is glassrivermedia.com. Perfect. I'm on uh, LinkedIn all the time at just Kirk Westwood, K-I-R-K, not Kurt, Kirk Westwood on LinkedIn. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kirk. This was this was fantastically amazing. I. Love talking to you and, and um, just, the, just the level of experience between the both of us, you having a lot more in, in the executive and I'm having like being working in, with somebody else, but yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. No, I'd love to, let, let's, let's keep the conversation going, man. I, uh, let's you got it. Awesome. Right. Talk Bye. later. Bye. 
Congratulations, you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hexandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hexandhobbies.com website. 